Well, hello, all you Porch Podcast listeners. I'm having to fill in for the evangelist William E. Orr tonight in his absence. Uh, we're also having to fill in for William Pap Finley as well. So we're we're without a will, so I don't know how there will be a way tonight. But it's, it's me and Bishop Bates, and we're going to be continuing our conversation from last week. If you'll remember, last week we talked about kind of what spiritual disciplines are and why we should do them or practice them as Christians, and we spent a lot of time about, yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about scripture reading and, you know, spending time in the Bible and reading God's Word and, and how to use it and apply it to your daily life, and this week we're going to be talking more about prayer. So, again, the the Reverend Dr. Bishop Bates is back with us from vacation, so it's, it's he and I tonight. So, Chris, talk to us a little bit about prayer. Yeah, so uh, I think we have to start with, we're, we're going to try to accomplish, I think, maybe three questions in this podcast about the idea of prayer. Um, the first one being, what what is prayer? And then uh, the, the, the why do we pray? And then maybe even some of the practical how side of things, the well, what does prayer really look like in a practical life? So we want to start with the question of what is prayer? And so to answer that question, I think we have to to really go to Scripture and look at a couple different passages that kind of answer that question for us, and even trying to back up as early as we can to the first conversations that we see between God and man. And so we've talked about this before on the podcast, but going all the way back to the Garden of, uh, of Eden, God, uh, when we talk about Adam and Eve and God walking together in the cool of the evenings and having conversation together and knowing each other's voices. And um, it would be weird to me, I think, to think about the idea of like, Adam and Eve didn't have to get on their knees and close their eyes and fold their hands. Um, they just waited until the cool of the evening and God shows up and they get to have these amazing conversations with God. And But, uh, but I think they had a benefit in that, in that it was this like, it was actually a two-way conversation. Right. And so for us today, it's like we... We talk a lot about prayer and, and being a, a conversation and that it is this us talking to God and God talking to us, but more often than not, our prayers become very one-sided in that. Um, but originally, when you look at the garden and you look at the conversations that were going on between God and Adam and Eve, they were two-way conversations. It was God walking into the garden, and even in the confrontation of their sin, it was God saying, hey, where are you? And they heard the voice of God, right, calling to them in the, in the garden. And they knew his voice, which meant that he had spoken to them before. Um, and so it, we get this two-way conversation piece. Um, and that's how I would like to continue to define prayer in my own life, is prayer is this two-way conversation between the God who spoke the universe into existence and his creation. And that's a beautiful picture um, should be, because it, it teaches us a lot of things when you look at prayer that way. It, it teaches us about the relational aspect of God, that he desires to have a relationship and a conversation with us. Um, it also teaches us about the, um, the closeness of God, that we can call out to him, we can cry out to him, uh, and he's not uh, a God who's away on vacation like I was last week. He is a God who is active and present and able to respond to us in, in those moments when we pray. And so when I think about prayer, if I had to define it, um, of, of the what is prayer, very simply put, prayer is just a conversation between the God who created the universe and his creation. And that's just a beautiful picture. What do you think it is, Wes? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And uh, I like that you use that word over and over again about how it is a conversation. When we as, as humans think about 
the, the structure or format of what a conversation is, it's exactly what you were describing. It's, it's that, that give and take of verbiage and vocabulary and word. You know, when, when you have a conversation, for it to be a good conversation or a, uh, a conversation that's worthwhile, there is a moment where you speak, but there's also that moment where you pause and listen. If, if a conversation is one-sided where only one party or one person is doing all of the speaking, it's typically not very beneficial to that other person on the, the other end of that conversation. And just, you know, if, if it's to the other extreme where both of you are just sitting there listening, then there's not a whole lot of point to that either. There's just a whole lot of silence and awkward stares and, you know, uh, minimal exchanges. So I do like what you said about how it is a conversation because I, I totally agree. When, when we pray you know, we could take this conversation a lot of different ways, but there are different postures and there are different positions and, you know, there are different places that you can allow yourself to go uh, mentally or emotionally, but in its, its purest, simplest form, it is a conversation. It is an exchange of words between you and God. Now, uh, like you said, and, and to your point earlier, they had, meaning Adam and Eve, they had a little bit more benefit because they heard that audible reply from God. We don't always get that now, although, you know, I've, I've heard an audible voice. I'm not saying that it's God, but I have heard an audible voice at one point in my life. And I don't know if we want to get into that story now or not, but uh, typically we don't receive that audible, you know, voice like, like I'm saying. Um, so they did have that benefit, but if, if we can position ourselves and posture ourselves to listen to what God says, it does turn into that two-way conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think posture is super important in that understanding that there has to be the expectation of a two-way in that, uh, when we approach prayer as a one-way street, as a, let me just list off all the things I need and want and desire from God. And then I say, amen. And I get up and walk away from the table. We have, we have not allowed ourselves to really have the second half of that conversation. And so um, I got in the habit years ago of pausing at the beginning of all of my prayers. Yeah. Um, and that still sticks with me today. I don't do it as much in public as I used to anymore. But every once in a while when I'm praying in public, I'll say something along the lines of, you know, God, we've come before you this morning, but before we say anything, we want to let you have the first word. And then I'll literally just be silent. And I don't care how awkward that gets for people. I don't care how weird that moment feels. And it will feel weird for people who have not ever allowed that second half of the conversation to happen. Um, and, and I hesitate to even call it the second half of the conversation because really prioritizing these things, what I have to say versus what God has to say, God's message for me should be way more prioritized than what I, the, the list of complaints and needs and whatever else I have to lay at God's feet. Um, that should take way more priority. But <clears throat> we do, I will say, we, you know, God, we want you to have the first word and I'll just be, be quiet and pause. Um, I haven't had the privilege of hearing necessarily an audible voice of God in my prayer life like that. Um, but there are definitely in those moments as you silence your heart, as you silence your mind, as you kind of push all that stuff to the side, you do begin to feel things. You do begin to understand things. It, it reorients you, and it really draws you in uh, to what God has for you. And he may not directly answer that in that prayer time, but it may be in the moments following when you open up Scripture and you begin to read through it, and God begins to speak to you through the Scriptures. But you've postured yourself in such a way that you're prepared 
to hear what he has to say. And you didn't just come with your list of demands and decrees and whatever else you had to drop at God's feet that day. Um, so it's important that we come with that posture. Yeah, um, Francis Chan, he actually calls it practicing God's presence. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the same thing. You know, he'll do the same thing before he speaks a word to God. He allows God to have the first word and speak to him and just kind of realign his heart uh, and, and, and just stir his affections for God. And when he allows that to occur and when he allows those emotions to to take place, according to him, it, it totally... Uh, it, it changes his prayer because when when he sets out to pray, he may come with his agenda and his, like you said, list of, of wants and needs and demands and requests. But when he allows God to speak first, it, it changes things. It, it totally transitions what he was going to be gonna speaking say. about in the first place. Yeah. And that's huge because we honestly, we are sinful and broken people. And, and that includes in our own prayer life. We come with selfish demands. We come with all of these things that are broken and inaccurate. And so allowing that, those first opening moments of your prayer to be a, a time of just listening instead of speaking, it does. It, it draws you in and reorients, uh, repostures everything about what you're going to say following that. There's been multiple times where I've come into my own personal prayer life with, all right, here's my laundry list of things I want to talk to God about, but allowing that first pause all of those things become very insignificant. Um, there's a, I can't remember if it's a song or if it's a, I can't remember where it comes from, but the, it's probably a scripture and that's terrible that I don't remember. But uh, it's that, that idea of um, uh, the things of this world fading away uh, in light of his glory and grace. Um, I know that's a song. I can't remember if it's a scripture. I was about to say, either. Mr. Southern Baptist. I know, I know it's a song. <laughs> How can you not know, turn your eyes upon turn Jesus? Your eyes, there it is. There it is. All right. <laughs> that's absolutely a hymn. Y'all don't judge me on that, man. I was uh, raised Southern Baptist. I should know that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Babyface isn't here to, to defend himself, but it was super funny when he uh, essentially saying his own rendition of the old rugged cross a few weeks ago. <laughs> He's like, what? I didn't grow up in a Southern Baptist church. <laughs> it's so funny. We love you, Duncan. We do love you, Duncan. It is funny. He has to remind me every every so often that it's like, I, I did not grow up in a church that sings these songs. And so for him having to go back and try to present these to our church. Well, he's learning something new. It's 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 crazy to think that, but yeah. but he is. To him it's the new song. Yeah. The contemporary music is like, no, I've been singing that since I was like 10. Right. Um it's re- completely reversed for him than it is for most people in our church. It's just interesting. It is very interesting, but he's doing a great job at it. I love that guy. Um anyways, where was I going with that? Things of this world fading away. Um we even did a, a we did a youth conference at First Baptist TR years ago called Spring Advance and one of our themes uh, was strangely dim, and and it came out of that mm. hymn that when we find ourselves in God's presence, like all of these things around us become strangely dim. They fade away in the light of His glory and grace. And when when we are there in that moment, when we allow God those first moments, some of the things that burdened us so deeply that we thought were so heavy, they just all of a sudden they just kind of will fade off. So I, I would say, and as we kind of walk through this conversation about prayer and what it is, why we do it, how we do it, man, if that's something you don't do in your prayer life, I would challenge you, man, put that in play for a week or two and just see how that changes your prayer life. Take a few seconds before you go to your laundry list of, God, I need this, God, I need that. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those things. We should bring those pleas before God. 
Um, but before you do that, give God the, the first few seconds and just say, man, God, you have the first word. And then just shut your mouth for a minute and listen to yep. what God has to say. So, you know, we, we agree with with putting God first. Uh, that That should be a central piece of our prayer life. But another thing I want us to kind of talk about is, you know, there is no real right or wrong way to pray. Prayer is incredibly personal. And the way that I pray is going to be different than the way that you pray. And the way that, Chris, you pray is going to be different than the way uh, Pat Will Finley prays. You know, we actually talked about it a little bit last week, how uh, we we scratched the surface on translations of the Bible and mm-hmm. King James versus ESV versus New King James and so on and so forth. But But we really didn't go down that road very far. But one of us made a, a comment about, you know, well, we read the King James Bible, but we don't necessarily pray in King James language. And Will's like, no, I, I know a guy who legitimately does. And when he goes to pray, he absolutely prays that way. And yep. it's not, he said, it's it's not just like a one-time type thing. No, every time this man prays, that is how he's praying. So my point is, prayer is unique to the person that is praying, Um we're all going to have our own phrasing and we're all going to have our own wording and, and, you know, things like that. It's, it's the same with, with our, our spouses, you know, the way I talk to my wife is going to be different than the way you talk to your wife. It's, it's built on that personal relationship and that personal connection and that personal conversation that you have with that person. And it's the same with God. So, you know, I, I don't want anyone who may be listening to this, to think that they have to be pigeonholed into a box where prayer has to look this way or follow a certain format or sound a certain way. Like, no, you you do you. You pray what's on your heart in the way that you feel is most appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I would say there is no perfect pattern, even though Jesus gives us one. In fact, he in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us a pattern. He says, pray, like, pray then like this, and he gives... The Lord's Prayer at that point, our Father that, in Heaven, so maybe there is a pattern. That just negates everything that I just <laughs> Scratch everything we just said, do it like Jesus. Uh, <laughs> no, but even in Podcast that... Podcast over, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> just read your Bible, he gives the answers. <laughs> no, but Jesus does give us a pattern, but even but right before he gives us the pattern, he gives two clarifying statements about how we should pray, and, and they, they relate to what Wes said around there is no right or wrong necessarily way to pray. Um, He he makes two statements about things that you should not do. One of those, both of them relate to hypocrisy, um, and they both relate to the Pharisees, but they're two different things. He says, first of all, uh, that you shouldn't stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And so the first thing that we understand about prayer is that it needs to be a humble thing. Uh, It needs to be a thing that's not about us receiving um, attention or admiration uh, but but it is meant to be this thing that's done in humility because uh, he says, but when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to the Father who's in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So it should be a thing that is done uh, privately. That doesn't mean that we should avoid public prayers. Obviously, we do that every week on Sundays and in our life groups and Sunday school classes. We pray publicly with people and in groups. You know, we, uh, my family prays together. Rosie comes in the living room every night and says, Daddy, will you say a prayer with me? We pray together in that. I don't take her into a weird closet somewhere and like you pray in your room and I'll pray in my room, like none of that. Um, but we pray together. But the idea is that it's not for show. 
that it is not this uh, public display for the sake of attention. Um, the second thing he says is, and this is the part that I think is important, he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And and this is where we get into like the vainness of patterns and words that we say in vain repetition. Um, we shouldn't in our prayer life have things that we just repeat over and over and over again for the sake of trying to sound good or eloquent. Uh, even the pattern in which we structure our prayers shouldn't be based on the idea of, of trying to, to sound good. Um, they, they really should be these humble prayers, these things that are said out of the honest cry of our heart. Um, and, and right after that, then Jesus gives the pattern of the, of the Lord's Prayer, um, which is great. It's wonderful to have that pattern, but, but he's already clarified before that, almost with anticipation that people are going to take that prayer and begin to shout it in corners and pray it in the synagogues and use it as empty phrases now. It's like he's already clarified before that, like, don't turn this into that. But here is kind of an example thing to go on. But what do we do? We absolutely turn it into that. absolutely turn it into that. We prayed that prayer before every single football game and wrestling match, and we got our rear ends handed. (laughs) (laughs) God wasn't on your side. Sorry, dude. Uh, um, but we do, we, we turn these things into empty, empty phrases. We turn it into, uh, seeking attention. And so I, I would echo what Wes was saying, all that to say, um, when you pray, yes, find what works for you in your prayer life. Don't feel like you have to pray certain phrases to be heard by God. Don't feel like you have to say it in a certain way to be heard by God. In fact, you don't even have to say it at all. Some of the best prayer times I've ever had have been with a journal and a pen in my hand, and and the word has never been spoken, um, and so you know it's it's meant to be a conversation, and and if I went to my wife all the time, and every conversation I had with my wife was the same phrases over and over again, and and I only did it when I was in front of people so that I could be showy, but when <laughs> we got home, I never expressed the same things to her, like that would be vain and empty, yep. and and so my relationship in my prayer life with God needs to reflect that same thing. We are his bride, and so we need to speak to him as, um, as a marriage, as, as, as a person that we love. And so uh, our prayer life should reflect that. Well, and it, it should be a natural thing, too, based on that relationship. Like, you know, Hannah and I, we've, we've been married 10 years now, and we almost have our own, our own language, so to speak. You know, I can look at her when it's 930 and I'm ready to go home like – I don't, I don't have to speak a single word, but I can look at her and she'll be like, all right, it's, it's time to go. Uh, and, and you, you will develop these, these personal, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> we all know at church when Wes is ready to go, he'll stand up. <laughs> well, <laughs> and we all know what's coming. Wes is ready to go home. <laughs> you got to throw the look at the watch in there too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Look down on the watch. Well, well, guys, it's about that time. Uh-huh, there it is. So let's take a break. Uh, we've talked about what prayer is, and when we get back, we'll talk about the, well, we've even, even talked about the, the how, but we'll get into that a little bit more and some of the why, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Well, welcome back, Porch Project fans. Thanks for uh, taking that break with us. We've been talking about the idea of prayer, uh, why we do it, how we do it, uh, what it is, all those fun things. Uh, and uh, we're joined back, me and uh, old Friar Myers, walking through the conversation tonight. 
And uh, we've talked a good bit about uh, the what at this point. What is prayer? It's a conversation between the God who created the universe and his creation. We've even started to get into the how a little bit around, you know, not heaping up empty phrases and uh, praying for attention, but but praying with our own patterns and and uh, and making that a, really a love language between us and God. Um, and so we've got into the how a little bit, but we want to pick back up where we kind of left off, finish that conversation off, and then go to the why. So, Wes, when you think about how you pray, my friend, are there any things that you would say, and when I think about Scripture, when I think about my own personal prayer life, like these are things that are necessary to the how of, of when I pray? Yeah, so I have a couple of different prayer times in, in my personal life. The, the first one, uh, just straight up, I'm not a morning person, so I get out of bed literally at the last minute. Uh, I get ready quickly uh, just because I am structured and disciplined and routine trumps everything. So my clothes are laid out, my wallet, my keys, they're always in the exact same spot, so it just makes my getting ready more efficient. Uh, and then I walk out the door, get in the truck, and I have about a 30 minute drive to work and you know at that time in the morning it's usually 6 30 6 45 so uh traffic is light so i use that time from from point a to point b i use that 30 minutes as a prayer time and it is that conversation it's you know um i could i could walk you through what i pray but uh typically i uh, i always start with you know god thank you for giving me another day thank you for waking me up this morning thank you for filling my my lungs with air um and then i just the the more i go down that route the more i start to thank god for and you know you you just start to to see all the things that he has blessed you for and you you do it it almost well, not almost, it does lead you into his character and, you know, it, it reminds you of his goodness and his kindness and how he does love you and how he does care for you and how he does want good things for you. Um, you know, Chris, you, you preached this Sunday on the prophets and you spoke about Jeremiah 29, 11, And as we all know that it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And those are uh, plans to prosper you and so on and so forth. But I read the New King James Version, and it actually says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And I'd never really mm. read it that way, but it, it, it almost, plans are good, but plans can also be, in, uh, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? Plans aren't always personal, but thoughts typically are personal. So it, it was just cool for me to read that in a little bit of a different way um, this week. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but it was cool. <laughs> But it does, you know, you think about God's goodness, you think about his kindness and his grace, um, and then you just, you continue that conversation and you may get into, um, you know, some of the, I guess, supplication pieces, you know, God, I've got this going on, will you please help me in this, you know, area of my life? Can you, can you give me guidance? Can you show me your will? You know, the, again, the, the conversation that you're having with him can go wherever he takes it. Um, so I, I do, I do that. Uh, and usually that takes me about half of my morning drive. So then, uh, I'll, I'll end the prayer. And at that point I'm a little bit more woken up and then my mind will, will transition into, you know, what do I have going on at work today? What do I need to be prepared for? You know, I'll just kind of switch gears. Uh, and then as I go about my day, there are just a lot of times where I don't have all the answers or 
you know, I do start to become burdened or stressed. And at that point, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a quick prayer. It's like, God, I'm going to need you on this one. You know, help me out here. You know, it's just lobbing that prayer out, knowing that he's there beside you and knowing that he is there listening. Um, and and he's, he truly does have the whole world in his hands. You know, it's, he is, you know, a lot of times we, we understand that God is the God of the extraordinary. You know, we know that he is the God of the universe and, you know, the galaxies and all of these big, miraculous, wonderful things. But I think we forget that he is the God of the whatever the opposite of extraordinary is, just the... The, the, <laughs> the traffic jam. Well, right, yeah. the the mundane, you yeah. know, he, he is that the God of, of those times too. And, you know, as, as boring as my day may be, like, no, God is right there beside me and he's... He's there with me, and, you know, I can talk to him any time of the day, you know, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing. So that'll kind of get me through the day, and then I get home, and that's when I do my personal quiet time. Um, I'll go into my, my office at home, and I read a couple of chapters out of, out of Scripture, and then I'll try and have some sort of prayer time then as well. So, uh, you know, I, for me personally, I'm kind of kind of in between two end caps. I'm starting the day with God, and I won't say that I'm ending the day with God because I usually go to bed and watch cops or, you know, there's, <laughs> there's something on the TV when I'm going to bed. But at least the thoughts there, like... Um, <laughs> in my day with cops. <laughs> hey, man. See, we used to live in, in the Mill Hill of Pelzer where we could just hear police sirens out the window. <laughs> the entertainment was built in. <laughs> but now that we've moved, you know, you, you kind of miss that. So I, I can't really go to sleep unless I'm hearing police sirens. I gotta have a siren to go to sleep. By. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, man. Now, a, a couple of things I want to hit on out of that conversation because that's great, man, to, the pattern of your day. And, and you are, Wes. If y'all don't know Wes, if you're a, a podcast fan and a uh, porch podcast fan and, and you don't know Wes personally, uh, you need to know he's a very structured guy. Everything in his life is very put together and very in order. Uh, I'm about the complete opposite of that. I'm just a, a hot mess of stuff happening. Um, Where's my computer? I was, I, was, I was told today for the first time in my life that I'm a type A personality. No one has ever said that to me, but Roger Saunders told me I was a type A personality. And I was like, interesting. I've never been told that before. Um, but anyways, Wes is a very put together guy. And so to hear his daily routine, I can guarantee you that that is exactly how his day goes. Um, me on the other hand, my, my day is, is much more fluid. And I, and I think being a full-time pastor, when I think about my own prayer life, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest to find the desire. To, it's like, I feel like I've prayed all day, but I've prayed with other people. I've prayed on the phone. I've prayed to start a meeting. I've prayed to stop a meeting. I've prayed to, at the hospital. I've prayed at the start of a worship service. I've prayed before I preached a sermon. I prayed like... There's a thousand times in my day where I'm saying prayers that are those Pharisaic, not Pharisaical, I've I got to be careful there. They are not meant to be public repetitious prayers like what Jesus was condemning in Matthew 6. But they are public prayers nonetheless that are prayed for other people. They are prayed routinely because of what my job requires of me. And so to foster my own personal prayer life in that almost becomes difficult, man. I'll be honest where it's like, okay, I've already prayed a thousand times today. Do I really need to go in my prayer closet and pray again? Like, is that what I really need to do? And so I have to force myself some days. And I know that sounds crazy as a pastor to say, I have to force myself to pray, but, but 
it is. It's difficult. And maybe you find yourself that way a little bit too. I, I don't know, as a, as a listener, and maybe you've just got a hectic job, and by the time you get to the end of your day, it's like, man, I just want to sit down and listen to cops and sirens, <laughs> um, and I don't want to pray. But, but I, I do. I have to routinely force myself to have a personal prayer life that goes beyond what I did in a pulpit, what I did at a hospital bed, what I did in meetings. Like, I have to force myself to that. Um, and that's huge for me. Well, and that's kind of why why we started off on this conversation of spiritual disciplines, because disciplines don't come easy. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you do have to force yourself to do something that may be hard or challenging in order to develop that discipline so that the things that you're forcing yourself to do become easier and, you know, more natural. Uh, and, and we also talked about this a lot last week with scripture reading specifically. We talked about how people will get the the desire to want to spend time in their Bible and they'll want to read scripture and then they'll just, you know, set out on like a marathon type pace and they'll think, oh, well, I've got to read 10 chapters tonight. And it's like, no, that that's a terrible idea. You will burn out and you'll put your Bible down and yep. you'll not pick it back up. You have to start small. So it's the same to me with, with prayer. You know, don't think that you have to start, you know, with, with a 30 or 45 minute prayer the first day, if, if that's not a, a discipline or a habit that you have, no, don't don't do that. Aim for five. Mm-hmm. You know, spend five minutes with God in prayer, in conversation, and then build from there. There are also you can also be strategic with the opportunities that you that you find throughout the day. You know, when when Jesus fed the five thousand, one of not one of the first things, the first thing that he did is he blessed the food and then he broke it and then he handed it out. And it's it's kind of, you know, the same thing when we have our meals. We have three well, some people have three meals a day, some people have two, it some people have those weird diets where they eat like eight times a day. Um so I mean I guess if you're on that diet, then that gives you eight opportunities to pray before you break bread. But you know, get in the habit of of saying a blessing before the meal, not for the routine of it, but just simply to give thanks and gratitude to God for providing that meal to you. Um, you know, we we talked about this a little bit last week too. For those of you that were listening, we talked about how captivating our screens are, and you know, watching TV or watching Netflix or you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Just just put it down for five minutes and allow yourself to use that time to speak to God. You know, you you can be intentional with your time, but you can also be reasonable about your time and start, I guess, where you need to. Uh, don't don't think that you have to go from zero to a hundred, you know, just just find those those still small moments where you can find five minutes to to just speak to God. Yeah. And use use the resources around you, I would say too. That like um, if you wear an Apple Watch at all, you get those. Uh, uh, what are the alerts that come across the to uh, not refresh, but the uh, gosh, what does it say? It little spins on your watch. Anyways, it it reminds you in those moments to take a second and breathe, and, and it gives you normally a thought prompt. Well, use that to your advantage to remind you that hey, in this moment, maybe I need to pause for just a second, and instead of doing whatever the prompt is from my Apple Watch, maybe I just need to take a moment and pray. Um, and use that as an opportunity. There was a quote I heard years ago from a, um, a, a theologian somewhere in the history of the church, but he said, said this, and I'll, I'll need to look up who it was later, but 
Uh, he said, rarely do I pray for an hour at a time, but rarely do I go an hour without praying. Oh, who is that? That is such a huge quote to me because it, it, it it's so true. It's like, man, as a pastor, I don't pray for an hour at a time. Like That's pretty rare that that happens. I think, honestly, the only time that's happened in the last maybe year or two that I've sat down intentionally to pray for over an hour was when we did our, our prayer times, uh, when we did our summer of prayer uh, a year and a half ago. Um, but I would also say that just as true as that is that I don't do that, it's also just as true that I do rarely go an hour without saying a prayer of some sort. And it may be exactly what Wes said a little while ago of, you know, oh, it's in this moment and I'm just kind of throwing out that that thought of, hey, God, I need you in this moment, or, hey, Father, will you watch over this for me? And uh, it, it may be just a simple sentence prayer, uh, but it's something that I am having a conversation with God about. Um, but I love that quote. That quote's been with me for a long, long time. Um, are you looking it up? Yeah, I was trying to find it, but I can't I can't find it. It's all good. We'll share it next time. There was another part that Wes touched on a little while ago that I want to go back to. Well, actually, oh. they're, they're crediting it to some guy named Smith Wigglesworth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. I'm not making it up. Smith I'm looking at it right now. Wigglesworth. Interesting. <laughs> if that's legit, I'm going to lose my... I can't use that quote anymore just because of that guy's Mr. name. Mr. Wigglesworth. <laughs> And today, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I want to quote from Mr. Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, <laughs> now, Wes, you said something a little while ago, too, though, that, uh, well, sorry, you didn't say this, but you do say this a lot when I hear you pray. Um, keeping in mind that we've already had a conversation about uh, vain repetition and, and phrases that we throw out, there are certain things that we say that we may use repetitiously that help draw us in that are things that mean something personally to us yeah. or, or are powerful statements that help draw us in. Wes, you you have one. You don't do it necessarily every time, but you do it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, that begins with, and, and you'll have to help me finish it. I'll start it, and you'll know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, but you normally say something like, Father, we thank you. Jesus, we, I don't know. What is it you normally say? Yeah, so I'll say, uh, Father God, we love you. Lord Jesus, we thank you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you. So it's it's starting off, you know, loving God as your creator, as your father, as your Abba, uh, just just loving him, thanking Jesus for what he did for us with his death on the cross and his sacrifice and just the, the pain and agony that he went through on our behalf, and then just inviting the Holy Spirit to come into the place where where you're at to dwell with you, to abide with you, just to, to fill the room that you're in with his presence. I mean, it it, it kind of gets the blood flowing a little bit. Yeah, I love those phrases because it does two things, in my opinion, in that prayer time. Number one, it amplifies the idea of the conversation and reminds us that we're not just talking to one part of the Trinity, but that we are praying to a God who is uh, triune. He is, is, he, is a, he is a Trinitarian, I don't know if that's the right word, but he has three parts. Um, and, and so I love that part of it, that it, it is recognizing the idea that we are worshiping one God, but he is one God represented in three different parts. And and so I love that. But the second thing that I think that it does, that, that I love when you pray that way, um, is that it reminds us of the role and function of each of those parts of the Trinity too. So, you know, Father, we love you. Why? Because you created us and you first loved us. Uh, you know, Jesus, we thank you. Why? Because you gave your life on the cross for yep. us. Like that's the function that you gave you. Salvation is through the blood and name of Jesus Christ. 
And Holy Spirit, we invite you. Why? Because you're the presence that's still on earth today. Yeah. Um, God the Father and, and Jesus the Son are seated on their thrones in heaven at this moment, but Holy, the Holy Spirit walks with us daily. Here yeah, he's that helper. All right, and so you are recognizing not only that it is a triune God, but the function of those pieces of God, or those those functions of God, uh, and, and really speaking to the right one. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place because you're the one that is going to be in this place. It's not Jesus uh, that is here with us. It is the Holy Spirit that is here with us. And so I love that part of it. And so I want to, as we think through that idea of like vain repetition and how we pray, sometimes repetition is a good thing. And sometimes those repeated words, when they're done the right way with the right motivation, can help drive our prayer life forward because it, it reminds us of certain things. Um, and they're not meant to be just fluffy words. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, to, to go back to our earthly relationships, you know, you may have a term of endearment that, that you speak to your wife, you know, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily the same thing as, as how that prayer begins, but, you know, it, it is speaking out of a posture of, of love towards that person or, you know, that that spirit. If, if you're talking to the Holy Spirit, you know, I, I do think it's it's the same, and it, it all goes back to that heartbeat of just a, a personal connection, a personal relationship, and then a personal conversation with each respective part of that triune Godhead. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So we've really kind of hit the the what what is prayer a good bit. We've talked about the how. Um, I think we got to kind of wrap our conversation up with the why. why well, let me throw... Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I got one more... <laughs> We haven't had a single standpoint. <laughs> we haven't had a standpoint. Where is Will? The, the standpoint dinger has not clicked once tonight <laughs> without the evangelist being here. But I do have one more standpoint that I want to throw out there. Uh, so this will actually help tie into the spiritual discipline that we talked about last week of, of Scripture reading. So I've recommended this book probably a hundred times, and I've actually bought several copies off of Amazon and given it out as a gift. It's $9.99, and that's for the brand new one. You could buy the, the what do they call it, gently used gently or used. something like that for probably even cheaper. But it's a book called Praying the Bible, and it's written by a guy named Donald Whitney. And the premise of the book is how to fix your prayer life. And what he says is Christians often fall into the trap of praying the same old thing about the same old thing. And he drills that into you for literally like the first four chapters. Are you tired of praying the same old thing about the same old thing? I mean, you flip the page. Are you tired of praying the same old thing about the same old thing? And he really challenges you. Matter of fact, at one point in the book, he said, if you're not tired of praying the same old thing about the same old thing, put this book down and don't pick it back up and read it anymore. But then what he teaches you is a method. Uh, I want to read a quick excerpt from it. It says, all Christians know they should pray, but sometimes it's hard to know how, especially if the minutes start to drag and our minds start to wander. Offering readers hope, encouragement, and the practical advice they're looking for, this concise book by Professor Don Donald Whitney outlines a simple, time-tested method that can help transform our prayer lives, praying the words of the Bible. Praying the Bible shows readers how to pray through portions of Scripture one line at a time, helping us stay focused by allowing God's Word itself to direct our thoughts and words. Simple yet profound, this resource will prove invaluable to all Christians as they seek to commune with their Heavenly Father in prayer each and every day. So what he does, uh, he takes 
for this book, he takes the book of Psalms. And just to use a quick example, Psalms 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So he literally tells you to open up your Bible to Psalms 23 and you start to read, the Lord is my shepherd. And then allow your thoughts to go, well, what is a shepherd? God, thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for standing in the gap for me. Thank you for protecting me from the things that are dangerous around me. Thank you for laying down your life for me as, you know, anyway, he, you know, you can, and, and the beauty of it is you can take that one line and you could have 30 different sentences based off of that one line. And then once you feel like you've, you've kind of encapsulated that one line, well, you just move on to the next line. There is nothing I shall want. God, thank you for giving me the things that I want. You know, thank you for giving me my house. Thank you for giving me my family. Thank you for giving me, and again, you just, you, you stay on that, that trail of, of thought. And then if you get to the end of it, go to the next line. And he literally teaches you to pray through scripture. And it's, it's just a neat method to help you build that, that spiritual discipline, one of scripture reading, but also two of, of praying. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that out there and give you guys another standpoint. Not Ding, another standpoint. That's, that's like four. There it is. If Will was here, we'd be up to 400 by now. <laughs> we <will. laughs> well, from my standpoint. Uh, no, that's good. That's good. And I think you've got, that's what I was talking about earlier, about use the resources that are around you. Right. That's what reminded me of Scripture it. is one of those. Um, and man, I would say too, I think some of the things that are lacking are older, the older generations maybe did a little better job of this than we do as a younger generation of, um, if you walked into our church on a Wednesday night, we have, uh, four or five different life groups that meet. Um, two of those life groups I know for sure will have a prayer list in front of them of people that they are praying for. And they'll walk through that list and they'll give updates on the needs and anything that they've heard that week or names that need can be taken off of that we can pray praise God for that they're you know healed or uh, or that whatever the prayer need was has been resolved, names that need to be added. But they will pray intentionally through that. But then they don't stop there. There are a select few people from that group that I know for a fact take that prayer sheet home and put it in a prominent place in their house. And every day they go back to that prayer sheet and they use that as a way to pray through the needs of people around them. It's a resource that's been placed in front of them. So they use that. Um, I would say too that um, uh, I have a, I mentioned in my sermon on Sunday that I'm a journaler. I like to write in my journal and I don't do it as often as I used to, but uh, in the current journal that I have in my book bag, uh, several months ago, I started to list off all the names of people that have walked into the doors of our church in the last year. Um, and I ended up with a lengthy list, took up two or three pages of names of people that have come through our doors. Didn't matter if they were church members, visitors, first-time guests and we never saw them again. Didn't matter. If I knew their name, could remember their face, I put their name on this this uh, note in my in my journal. And every so often, about once a month or so, I'll pull that list back out and I'll just begin to pray through those names one by one don't know where they are, don't know what's going on. For most of them, uh, I know the stories of some of them who are you know, consistent with us and are here and talk with me and share their stories with me, but it doesn't matter. It's name by name through that list, praying through them. So I, I use that as a resource. Some of you may be subscribed to uh, mailing lists and daily devotionals that get emailed to you, and a lot of times they'll include prayer prompts and things that you can uh, work through. And so use those resources to, to deepen your prayer life. Go beyond the, you know, thank you for our food prayers, but, you know, get, get to the, to meet the meat of it. Talk to your God. 
uh, and spend time with him in prayer. So, so no good bread, good meat, good God. Let's eat. <laughs> let's eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe later. Um, no, but it's good. It's good to to pray those things. But and those are good, helpful prayers to teach a child for sure. To to teach them the discipline of praying. Right. Um, as a grown adult, but as a grown <laughs> a grown adult, you probably should be a little deeper than that by now. Um, if you're still praying that as a grown adult. You should go fix that now. <laughs> Although, as a pastor, have you ever noticed how interesting the floor becomes when you're about to have like a, a group prayer? You know, does anybody want to pray? Well, suddenly those those uh, floor tiles or carpet—I mean, they are the most interesting. Yeah, things man, in the all eyes go down. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite prayers, though, caveat, little rabbit's trail here to chase, but my favorite prayers always come from kids. Uh, and the prayer requests that, that come from kids <laughs> are always some of my favorites, man. Yep. We take prayer requests every week with Good News Club at the elementary school, and some of them you'll just read back through them and you'll go, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why am I praying for this? Uh, but to them, that was what was important in the moment, and they wanted you to pray for it. So, all right, we'll do it. Um, all right, so we've talked about the how, or sorry, the what. We've talked about the how a good bit as well. Uh, we probably need to wrap our time up with just the why. Um, so why do we do these things? Why do we need the discipline of prayer in our lives? Um, I think I would start this part of the conversation by just saying, how can you live your life without the spiritual discipline of prayer? Um, the why for me of why I need to be in on my knees talking to my God daily uh, is because he is the source of life for me. And so I don't feel like I can go a day without speaking to him. I need his presence in my life. Uh, he's the source of strength. He is the source of uh, power in my life. He is the, the answers to my prayers. He is the, uh, the creator, the sustainer for me. And so I need his presence. I need to pray. I need to speak to him. Um, and I need to hear from him. Uh, going back to that, it's a two-way conversation piece. I need to hear his voice. Um, because I'm a sinful and broken man, and if it were left up to me, I would lead us in sinful and broken ways. Um, and so I need God's voice in my life to show me what's the right way to do these things. Um, so for me, it's just a simple question of, or not a simple question of why, but a, a simple response of how could I not pray? I need his presence in my life. But what's the why for you, Wes? Why do we pray? Well, truthfully, it's it's not much different, but there, there are two things that I believe to my absolute core, uh, just based on personal experiences and, and life experiences. But I believe that you can't do life alone, and I believe that you can't do life on your own. So Jesus himself modeled that for us in, in his darkest and most painful, scariest times. He took his friends and he went to a deserted place, and he prayed. And if if that was good enough for him to do, certainly it's good enough for me to do. If if I'm stressed or if I'm worried, if I'm you know going through something excruciating or whatever the case may be, I have a couple of decisions that I can make. I have a couple of options or choices. I can try and internalize all that and just suck it up and deal with it on my own and hope for the best, and that's probably not going to work out very well or get me very far, or I can embrace the people around me, mm -hmm. God being one of those, and I can go to 
those friends and I can say, hey, this, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm going through. This is what's on my heart. You know, this is, this is what I need. But to take it even a step further, if I'm willing to do that to people, I should be way more willing to do that to the God who, who speaks life and who speaks, you know, existence and, and all of those things. It's, it's kind of like you said, like, how, how can you not? How can you go through your day on your own? Like, it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me because I've tried it and I've seen the result of it and I've seen, frankly, the failure of it. And I know that it doesn't work, so you have to, as Scripture teaches us, lean not on our own understanding. And you have to allow God to direct your paths, and you have to allow God to guide you and lead you. Um, so I think that's that's the why for me, knowing that I am broken, that I am, uh, I'm just not capable of doing it on my own. And, and that really goes back to that humility that, that you spoke of earlier, a lot of people will want to take a, a prideful stance and say, no, I'm, I'm going to do this on my own. And it, it like I said, it, it just doesn't work out. So if you can allow God to kind of, again, just, just guide you through that and get you through that, it's all for the better. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we can't avoid the, the necessity of God's presence in our lives. And I think what's beautiful about going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation with the story of Adam and Eve uh, and God's presence in the garden is that just as much as we desire it, God desires it as well. And if it's God's desire to commune with us, if it's God's desire to have a conversation with us, it should be one of the greatest priorities that we have in our lives. Um, so, guys, we hope that this podcast has been helpful in your understanding of prayer and why we do it, how we do it, uh, what it is, all of those good things. Um, and we would love uh, to hear from you about things that we can pray for you about. Um, and so uh, visit our Facebook page and send us uh, any prayer requests that you might have. We would love to lift those up for you uh, and with you. Uh, and uh, also while you're there, if you've got any suggestions about topics for the podcast, uh, make sure you send those in as well. We'll be happy to review that as a team and uh, figure out what we can do to, to uh, help hear with some your of those standpoint. To hear your standpoints. That's right. <laughs> As always, guys, we appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, don't forget to uh, like our podcast, share it uh, on social media and whatever other platforms you've got, uh, and that'll help us in uh, getting the word out about this thing. So we love you guys, and we will uh, we'll see you next week.